Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT, along with Whit Watson today. Uh, if you've are you listening to this before you listen to the regular show? I highly encourage you to go listen to the regular show because Wit has been uh, in the command module for a number of <laughs> weeks now up in Stanford, Connecticut at Golf Channel because they had so many tournaments and different things going on. They brought him up there to uh, to uh, ride shotgun on that thing. And a lot of stuff happened over the last couple of months, as everybody knows. Um How's your golf game? Huh. Non-existent. Um, yeah, I've, you know, I, I, I was playing a lot. It's funny. During the pandemic, I played more golf than I've ever played in my life because that was the only thing that stayed open anywhere, yeah, but especially yeah. in Florida. And I, I played like every course in Central Florida that I had never played, and then went from being a, a full-time employee to a freelance employee and you know, trying to find business opportunities didn't play as much. Um, and then, you know, in the last couple of months with the travel back and forth to Connecticut, it just has gone away. And I've got a golf trip coming up at the end of September. So uh, between now and then, when it's conveniently 105 degrees in Orlando, I'm going to have to go out and hit balls. Um, so, yeah, I've got some work to do in the next couple of months. <laughs> I don't, I don't envy you that in that heat, but we're almost <laughs> as hot up here now. So yeah, I know, it doesn't I know. matter. We've got the, um, we've got the Ryder cup coming up, um, you know, and again, I'll go back to the regular show, you know, should the live players play? Should they not blah, 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 blah. What's uh Whit Watson's take on that. I, I personally think let them play if they're, yeah. they're if you, good and qualified, let them play. If you qualify on points, hundred percent, you, you do not, yeah, because as has been pointed out, the Ryder Cup is run by the PGA of America, not the PGA Tour. So as mm -hmm. long as those players that went to live have paid their dues to the PGA of America, they're actually good through 2024. And the tour suspension or their lack of tour membership is meaningless. So if Brooks Kepka is in on points, which he is and likely will be, right. he plays, period. Yeah. The challenge with guys like Taylor Gooch, or Dustin Johnson, who everybody wants on that team, is that you don't really know how well they're playing because of the format, because there's no cut, 54 holes, the team format. It's hard to get a sense of exactly how well they're actually playing, and they're playing against smaller fields. Like Gooch has won three times out there, and there's this grassroots movement three times this year, and there's this grassroots movement, well, Taylor Gooch should be on the team. Okay, who are you going to leave off? <laughs> Whose yeah. spot does he take? Um, after he's been playing against, you know, a much, much smaller field for the last six months. So um, long-winded answer. But I think if you're in on points, you're in on points, period. 
Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I've I've kept the uh, I've kept since Live came into being. Uh, I've not been critical of the the players or like our mutual friends that work in the television production side, that type of thing. I was just kind of critical about some of the people at the top, actually on both sides. Um, they to me they were like little kids throwing mud balls at each other for a while and that seems to have gone away but um uh that does make it hard when you're talking about who to qualify for for writer cup or you know any other team format like that yeah you know one thing we didn't touch on in the regular show with was you did a little bit when you said the saudis do business with a lot of different entities like that women's golf is supported by some of those business entities that Saudi is highly invested in, but mm-hmm. we never heard too much about that. Did we? And, and it's kind of come to light lately, I guess, but at, at the beginning of all the live stuff. And then when they made some overtures to talk to the LPGA and that, and then people's heads started exploding. And then it's like, well, wait a minute, they've already been doing this for a long time. Yeah, they already have that, that Aramco series, right? Yeah. They, play, they, they played in New York, I think, under their under Saudi sponsorship. Again, as I said during the regular show, uh, life is not black and white, and things are complicated and messy. And I felt like the fact that there had been Saudi sponsorship in the women's game already, and that that was essentially overlooked, to your point, nobody really brought it up. It almost felt like, to me, and this is my opinion, it almost felt like the golf world recognizes that the women's game needs all the sponsorship it can get. Mm-hmm. That they cannot afford to be choosy when they're trying to keep pace with the rest of the sports world and with the men's game in terms of purses mm-hmm. and in terms of sponsorship. Maybe that's naive, maybe that's incorrect, but it just it's I've always had this vibe that people kind of give the the women's game a pass where they wouldn't give the men's game a pass for taking money from essentially the same fund, the same people. Right. Because it's like, well, the women's game needs the money and the men's game doesn't. Well, but it looks like the men's game does. It does. Yeah. So, so either you give them both a pass or you apply equal attention to both. You know, that's, I mean, it's, it's either okay or it's not okay. And um, I feel like for the women, it's always been sort of viewed as okay because, again, they they need the dollars. Right. One person's opinion. So, in your overview, just your opinion, how would you like to see this whole thing resolved? Give it. I'll give you a scenario. Okay. The things have calmed down, and the tour says, "Yes, we're going to." We're going to actually work with uh, PIF and we're going to do that. And the PIF guys go, we understand that there was some consternation there for a couple of years. Now we've leveled it all out. So, okay, they have agreed to do that. The money's in the bank. What would be the optimal for Whit Watson to say, <laughs> well, I'm putting you on the spot, but this is the fun part of the show. Yeah, you yeah. Know, what would be the best? Would it be live as we know it go away and um, 
they they do one more elevated thing or they do something like you know tiger and rory's monday night golf stuff whatever they're coming i mean i still don't know how that's going to work out i don't know if anybody but tiger does but what would your optimum here's the finished product look like um so the the latter part the next time i'm on if you want to talk about tgl and tomorrow sports I've got some insight into that because (laughs) they're actually based in Winter Park, which is where I live in Central Florida. And a lot of people from Golf Channel have moved over there and they're building basically an arena, an indoor golf arena down in uh, Palm Beach County. So we'll save that for another show. Okay. I'll tell you about the Monday Night League. Uh, The optimal outcome is that the best players in the world are playing on the same golf course at the same time. That's an overly simplistic answer, but that's, everybody's goal is we want to see the best players playing against the best players. The funding is always going to be an issue. There there are always going to be people in this ecosystem that are going to reject whatever the outcome is out of hand because of where the money comes from. Yeah. And I don't see how that's fixable in our lifetime. I mean, if we believe that the Saudis had a genuine commitment to advancing their culture into the 21st century and eliminating some of these um, injustices that are well reported. If you, if you take them at their word that this is the goal and, and they honestly change their policy, then there is maybe a way out where the money is not a problem. Mm-hmm. How realistic do we think that is? I mean, how, how believable do we think that is? So well- from a golf standpoint, I'm going to leave the leave the the human rights issues and the policy and the politics to the side. I'm going to cop out because there's no answer. No. From a golf standpoint, what you want is the best players playing at the same time on the same golf course. That's the optimal outcome. You you know, 80, 90 years ago, well, even longer, but um, back in the Bobby Jones day. Mm. They used to go around and they would do events, challenges, events, ex- exhibition matches. I don't, I don't see any of that anymore. I see a lot of pro ams. I see you can get a corporate outing, but with a corporate outing, this the civilian population does not get to see the player, hear the stories, what have you. Right. I would I would submit that taking some of those top players. PGA live, whatever, say they're all back in the same pot again and do that. I would say to also get those uh, exhibition matches and bring in also perhaps somebody from the LPGA, Nelly Corda, you know, somebody like that, and kind of do those in some areas because they're always talking about growing the game. Uh, I don't know if that's an actual thing. Personally, I know we pay a lot of lip service to it, but when you mm-hmm. get on boots on the ground, uh, besides first tee and some of those kids programs, but there's a lot of people that are, you know, 25, 30 years old that need something to do and they've got money. They could play golf, but we don't make it interesting for them to, or inviting to come see it. A lot of times, I just think that some really high profile exhibition matches, maybe like, uh, what's the one they call in Vegas that Tiger and, and Phil did the first time. Was it the match or something like the that? match? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. That's, yeah. that's what it's called now is the match. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. You could argue that 
as far as millennials are concerned, Top Golf does a better job of attracting them to golf than golf on the ground does. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you want to make the game interesting. I mean, that's fun. I've done it several times. It's great. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Um, I I like the idea of of anything that that brings people to a golf course with something to watch. I would even submit. I go one step further. Let's bring back the three tour challenge. Let's bring back an event that puts an LPGA player, a PGA tour player, and a PGA tour champions tour PGA tour champions player on the same team, or uh, a corn fairy and LPGA and Epson tour, something to mix it up so we can see people that we don't normally see in the same place, in the same place. That's, I mean, look at the success of the father, son, or the parent, you know, that on TV, that's a phenomenal event right down the road from me here in Orlando in central Florida, because you're seeing players that you recognize out of their element you know, playing with their kid or their grandson or their stepson or whoever it is. Right. Um, I agree with you. I think more events like that. Before I let you go, I'm curious, why do you think that growing the game, I kind of agree with you. I'm a bit of a cynic, but why do you think <laughs> that growing the game is, is lip service? Um, I think one of the reasons is the results. We talk about it a lot. And then you look at the actual numbers. Of course, all those numbers are estimates, but you look at the numbers of how many new people came in. Um, The demographic to me, I'm kind of a numbers guy in a way. And and the demographics doesn't always work because you just hit it on the head. We skip over the millennials a lot. Uh, We skip over those other, you know, I'm a boomer. I don't, I think you're one behind me on that pretty close. Generation X. So I'm sure. the, I'm the, I'm the kid of the boomers. So yeah. I'm generation X, my kids who are 23 and almost 20 are the millennials. And yeah. my 23 year old, my son played recreationally through high school. But as soon as he got to college, he dropped it. And it, not like he doesn't like golf. He loves golf, but yeah. there's just other things going on. Yeah, you know, and and the twenty year old daughter never had a a single sliver of interest in playing golf, and this is coming from she's you know for more than half of her life I worked for Golf Channel, and she never had any interest in playing golf. Yeah, there's your there's your data. Yeah, there's your number right there. Yeah, I just think that we don't. Uh, uh, I think our intentions are good, but I think we overlook some some obvious ways to do it, and you can't yeah. always. Uh, you can't always try to focus on the the younger kids, the little, you know, the junior high, high school or, or younger kids to do that, you know, drive, chip and putt. I think that's a great program that they, and they hold the finals at Augusta and all that. That's a big deal. But if you go out in some of those regions or districts or whatever they call them, there's not that many kids participating. You know, yeah. to make the cut, to to get a chance to go to Augusta and be treated like a king or princess for a few days and all that. I just think we could do a better job of that to actually get boots on the ground. Like you were saying before, having some of those exhibition matches. And if you have exhibition matches and maybe you've got a Nelly Corda clinic free for sure. the for the any any kids that are 15 and under to come through the gate whatever i i don't know the uh schematics of all that i haven't thought through it that much but i just think we could do a better job at that that's just me 
I agree with you. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, tell us more about your media credentials podcast. When I went from a staff position to a freelance role with golf channel, I was unsure of how much and where and when I'd be working. So I wanted to start something that I've always had an interest in starting a podcast and I wanted to start something to kind of keep me fresh and keep me in mm-hmm. touch with the industry, keep me in touch with, with people like you and people that I've worked with before. And I wanted to do something. The hard part about starting a podcast, as you probably know, is finding something that nobody else has already done. And so I thought, well, I've been in this industry for more than half of my life. I've been on the air since I was 18. I've met a lot of people. What if I did something where I introduced, platformed people who work in sports media, but might not be known to the viewer or the listener or the reader? But Mm -hmm. if they weren't doing their job, your enjoyment would be considerably less. Like Mm -hmm. you may not know this person, but you rely on this person, whether you know it or not. And I kind of messed around and didn't find anybody else that was doing anything similar to that. So I thought that's good. Okay, good topic. As you know now, what do you call it? Yeah. (laughs) That was the hardest part of the whole thing is you got to Google all your best ideas for names (laughs) and see if anybody else has already taken it. And I I had a couple of kind of left field ones that I really liked. Um, I was trying to find a Caddyshack reference. Um, you know, I, I was going to yeah. call it like uh, flowing robes or the or grace bald striking. <laughs> um, anyway, I went through a whole bunch of iterations, but media credentials, uh, which kind of has many different meanings. Sure. You know, it's it's like I'm talking about my credentials as a member of the media to be able to speak to this topic, um, just, you know, media credentials in general. And and it's funny, I've had a couple of guests sort of invite themselves on the show just based on the title. Um, I had a a Twitter response from the PGA Tours um, director of credentialing, Tracy Veal, who's the person in charge of issuing credentials for the PGA Tour, left something on my Twitter feed saying that's an interesting name. And I sent her back a note and said, good, you want to be a guest? And she was terrific. I mean, she was one of the first ones I did. And she talked about the process and how she got in the business. And she casually mentioned that she spent 22 years in the Coast Guard before she came to the PGA tour and that was a half hour diversion. And so um, that's how it all got started. It's a labor of love. I produce it myself. I, during the pandemic taught myself how to use Adobe audition and I'm actually kind of an accomplished audio editor now. So I do the whole thing by myself. I publish, you know, when I can, I try to make it once a week, but going back and forth to Connecticut has been hard this month. So, um, but yes, if you're within the sound of my voice and you're in the industry, even tangentially, I'd love to hear from you because there's a lot of cool stories yes. out there. And that's kind of what the that's what the the uh, podcast is all about. That's similar to why I started this show, which is going on seven years now, I think, something like that. Um, uh, we didn't put it out as a podcast initially. It was simply radio. And then. I said, why not? So we tried it. It's worked. Um, but I try with this show to talk to people like you, talk to people that are in the mix, but, and I don't, and this is not a slam, but people that are taken for granted, they expect to see you on golf channel, (laughs) you know, in an, in an anchor desk or in the news on golf central, whatever, um, they expect to see that they, 
they expect to know that the ground superintendents are doing their job because the course looks fantastic. You know, yeah. I, I've had um uh, uh I had a lady on last week from South Africa who didn't even play golf or anything till about five years ago, but she has started a digital magazine called We Women Golf. And it's published hmm. in South Africa. And she's gotten a lot of support for it. And her she's playing and she's doing like the rest of us, working down on her handicap like that. Right. But I try to find those kind of stories that it's just like, you know, we're not talking to Tiger or Phil or this or that. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and those guys are pretty tired, I think, of having microphones shoved in their face uh, for the most part, unless Phil's got something really iconic to say and then tiger's got something to stick him back with or whatever but that's yeah. been fun over the years but i think there's an interest in those um those kinds of stories you know uh and like the ones you're doing i i i like those because i think it gives people a i'll get off my soapbox here wood i promise but uh <laughs> okay. I, th I think it gives people a more than just what's on the tube and what they read um uh, in sports illustrated or whatever and and that's kind of their perception of golf and there's so much more to it than that so you know we'll see actually this show is going to become a tv show this fall uh but it's more arranged around the cooking segment and oh, then, okay, cool. and then and then profiles of people like you um and uh like that but we're we're filming the first uh, 10 shows worth of cooking segments up here starting in october so that's awesome. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it'll be fun. Maybe we'll come do a profile on you. I'm here. You know where to find me. I know where to find you. Um, here's your chance. Uh, and I think I asked you this the last show, but here's your chance. What would your message be to the whole golf industry? Uh, you know, club manufacturers and that aside, but I'm talking about the people that play golf and especially the professionals. You see everything, you come in, it's, you report on it, you know, you've got discussions like when people's heads blew up. And I love to say that, I love that expression. Um, when the live non-merger merger was uh, announced that day. But, yeah. but what would you advise people or give them your heartfelt message? I would, um, on the, that's a good question. On the professional side, talking about golf media, the tour, um, the LPGA tour, the DP World Tour. I think that it's very easy to get immersed in the golf bubble, mm -hmm. and because because you you only read people that write golf. Everybody in on golf Twitter knows everybody, and every yep. announcer knows everybody, and you see them, you talk to them, and sometimes it's it's easy to lose sight of the fact that we are a niche sport. In mm -hmm. the grand scheme of things, we are a niche sport, and sometimes a little perspective um, is useful to, to bear in mind kind of where golf fits in terms of a professional sport that people watch and consume in the U.S. and in the world, kind of keeping in mind like where, where we are and not overestimating where we are. It's just so easy to get cocooned. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and hearing the hearing the same people and then reading the same things and and uh, sometimes you got to step back and look at the whole yeah. landscape and go, okay, where do we fit in the broad scheme of things, and how do we 
position ourselves to attract more of the casual fan. We've got the we've got the golf nuts nailed. We we know where they are. Yeah, they're not leaving. You, <laughs> they're not leaving. How do you get more people under the tent? To your point about exhibitions and growing the game, quote unquote, growing the game. How do you get more people under the tent? I yeah. think that is the challenge going forward. Yeah, I do too. Well, Watson, uh, again, um, real quick, tell them where your uh, your website and your podcast can be found, please. Yeah, appreciate it. The uh, podcast is called Media Credentials. You can search Media Credentials anywhere you find your podcasts. And my website is witwatson.com, W-H-I-T-W-A-T-S-O-N.com. And you can find the blog that I promise to keep updated more than I have been. Oh, you're a little podcasts. behind. I checked that out now. I'm a little behind um, and podcasts and some video clips and a bio and the whole nine yards. Kind of the whole CV is right there. There you go. Thanks, Witt. We appreciate it very much. And folks, we'll be back next week with another edition of After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. Go out, play some golf, have some fun, and be kind. Take care, everybody. <laughs>